Thanks for checking out the Renew Life Church podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that today's message encourages you. We'll jump right into our message. Uh, we're in part four of a series we started several weeks ago uh, on faith. Uh, how many of you guys have enjoyed it so far? Hearing some things you hadn't heard before, good deal. It, oh, it's like I did that just show a clap for me. I, I know it seems like that, but uh, it actually has been a good series. I told Leanne I've, in, I've enjoyed this because it's like some of this stuff, I, I could actually talk on faith maybe for the rest of my life. I forgot how much I had learned from when I was a kid, and so I'm, I'm, I'm drumming up some of, the, some of the faith scriptures and faith teachings from, from way back in the day. Today's an interesting day, and here's how I know it. Uh, last night, went to the church around, well, yesterday afternoon, I guess, went to the church around uh, 3.30 or so, uh, 4 o'clock, and got ready and began to study, uh, and finally finished the message after about 9.30 and went to, uh, went to click save on my computer, and as soon as I clicked save, the entire thing erased and could not be recovered. So everything I had done for the last six hours was gone, and I was like, Jesus, what are we doing here? <laughs> and so I just began to declare, I was like, you be recovered in Jesus' name. And I'm speaking to my computer, and I would try everything, and it didn't work. And I was like, that's fine. I'll just do it again. So I, I wrote the whole message again. This time it only took me uh, a little over an hour. And a little after 1030, I went and clicked save again. Uh, the entire message erased. It would not save the entire message again. So at 1030, I'm like, okay, Satan? <laughs> First I went to Jesus, and now I'm coming after you. You know, it's like, uh, so anyway, finally finished it again at 1130, and so I told our staff, I was like, I'm not 100% sure if this is Jesus or Satan, but we'll figure it out maybe. Is it Jesus saying, you know, you're not supposed to preach this message, or is it the devil saying, uh, you're going to have to write it again? I will say this, if the Bible says faith comes by hearing, I have heard this message now several times, <laughs> so I have more faith in this message than maybe any message I've ever preached, because that's never happened to me before, but... Uh, anyway, we're going to jump right in Ephesians chapter 2, uh, starting in verse 4. This is the same scripture we've started with every single week. I think it outlines a very important principle in the Word of God. Uh, start here in verse 4, says, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, he made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. And here's been our focal point uh, so far. It says, for it is by grace, say by grace, you have been saved through faith. And it is not from yourselves, it is a gift of God. And so we've been talking about this idea of by grace through faith. Uh, faith being the delivery system of the grace of God. What Jesus did on the cross always and forever, made everything that heaven has available to us when Jesus said, it is finished. He didn't say it is finished just to get us to heaven. He said it is fi finished to get heaven to us. Let me try this side. <laughs> he didn't just say it is finished to get us to heaven. He said it is finished to get heaven to us. So he, we, have, we, we live now under the new covenant. We live under this, this open heaven. But although we live under this open heaven where all that heaven has to offer is available to us, it must be received by faith. In other words, faith is the delivery system. Faith is the channel in which what God has provided for us actually gets to us and working in our lives. So how many of you guys can understand this? If you have little faith, you enjoy a little bit of heaven. If you got a lot of faith, you get a lot of heaven. Who would rather have a lot of heaven? 
I would too. So let's just continue this, this journey of growing our faith, increasing our faith. We learned that last week. Faith is measurable. You can have great faith. The centurion had great faith. You can have little faith. The disciples, when they woke Jesus up in the boat crossing uh, the sea in the middle of a storm, the Bible says they had little faith. In fact, one, trans- one version of the exact same story in the Gospels, Jesus said, why do you have no faith? So apparently you can have great faith, you can have little faith, you can have no faith. And, and according to, to, to Paul, when he t- talked to the church at Thessalonica and 2 Thessalonians, he talked to them and said, I'm actually bragging to you amongst other churches because your faith is growing and growing. It's still growing. So how many of you guys think we can grow our faith? I want to continue to grow our faith. And one of the ways that we can do that is we can look at those people that the Bible talks about having great faith, and we can follow in their footsteps, and we can follow uh, their example. And so last week we started talking about Abraham, the father of our faith. The Bible calls him the father uh, of our faith. And so we're going to pick up where we left off right there in Genesis chapter 12. I'll read what we've already read again, starting in verse 1. It said, The Lord had said to Abraham, Leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. Excuse me. All the families of the earth will be blessed through you. So Abram departed as the Lord had instructed, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. One of the things we talked about here uh, and spoke on last week is the idea that faith is willing to leave something good to go after something God. How many of you guys know it's really easy to get stuck in good? When things are going good, when the, the marriage is good, the kids are good, it's got a little extra money. Isn't it interesting how in the times when things are good, we seem to go after God less? We seem to go after God less. And I, and I, and I see here where Abraham, we talked about it, where Abraham actually had a pretty good life. He was the son uh, of a, a successful man, Terah. Terah was a successful man. He had some wealth. He had some things. And so God was asking Abraham to do something that didn't make sense by leaving a good, a good setup. He was set up for life. Leave something good to go after something God. And I want to I continue talking about this, but I also want to focus on verse 4 here. We touched on it somewhat last week, but I want to do it again where it says here, it says, so Abraham departed as the Lord had instructed, and Lot went with him. And Lot went with him. So he says, leave your country, leave your kindred, and go to a land that you know not of. Basically a three-part, a three-part instruction, a three-part command. Well, he left his country. He went to a land that he knew not of. Only one thing. He took Lot with him. Who was Lot? It wasn't just a relative. It was one of his father's relatives where the Lord had been very specific in leave your family. Oh, specifically your father's family. Now, you got to understand this about Lot. Who, who was Lot? Lot was the son of Haran. Haran was one of Abram's brothers who had died at a younger age than he should have died. Obviously, after he had Lot, but he died at a young age. Uh, I proposed the idea to you last week uh, and that potentially Abraham was not the original intended father of our faith, but instead it was his father, Terah. Terah ended up being, going on a journey much similar to the one that Abram uh, was called to go on. However, on this journey, he came through a city named Haran. This city just so happened to be named after 
the son that he had lost prematurely. How many of you guys know sometimes it's hard to keep going when something bad happens? Can we just be honest? Sometimes bad things happen and you don't want to keep going. Well, guess what? Terah comes through the city that's named after his dead son, and it says he stopped there, although he was on his way to Canaan. He had an assignment. He had a purpose. He had a mission. He had some intentions. But even with all of those working for him, the grief of his son caused him to settle. The Bible says he settled in the city of Haran. In other words, he got stuck at his place of disappointment. He got stuck in a place of grief. So here you, and he had already taken Abram, Sarah, and Lot with him. So now you have Terah, who's on a journey, who now is stopped in Haran. Not not to mention, here's Lot. He's having to stay in the city named after his dead father. So consider what Lot's going through, watching what his his own granddad is going through after having lost his father. Then the Lord tells Abram, it's time for you to go. It's time for you to keep moving. So he has to leave his father and everything else that he knows to continue the journey that his father started. Now, if I, and, and so I, this is the way I picture this. Abram's thinking to himself, okay, Lord, the leave your country part, I, I can do that. The go to a land that you know not of, I can do that. But leave my family, and I mean, come on, even Lot, do you not understand all that Lot's gone through? He's already lost his dad. Now his, he's following his granddad on his journey, and his granddad in grief and depression ends up stopping in a city named after his dead father. You, there's no way you can mean for me to leave Lot right here. That, that is completely irrational. That is completely irrational. Lord, I, 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 that must be something else. I can do two of the three, but I'm sorry. I'm going to have to take Lot with me. Can I just say this? that one of the greatest enemies to your faith is your own rational thinking. It's your own rational thinking. There will be times when God will call you to do something that is completely irrational. He will ask you to do something that not only does it not make sense, it's like the opposite of, not make, of, of making sense. It's like, the, no, this, this is just too much. This is just absolutely too much. I, I have a uh, a guy that I follow a lot, and I, I listen to a lot of his teachings. Bill Johnson is his name. He's the senior pastor of, of Bethel Church. Well, he's the founding pastor of, of Bethel Church in Redding, California. His son, Eric's now the senior pastor. And uh, they did a conference in Dallas called God is, the, well, the Heaven Come Conference. I think the focus was God is Near a few weeks ago. And, and Bill came up uh, and, and did communion with, with everyone there. And as he's doing communion, he started talking about all the things. First of all, he takes communion almost every single day of his life. It's like hashtag goals, be like Bill, you know. And, and he takes communion every single day of his life, and he prays over his kids, and he prays over his wife, and he prays over the rest of his family. He calls every one of his grandkids uh, by name. But then he goes on to say, and then there's another thing that I do every day when I take communion. He said, for whatever reason, there are people on this planet who feel like it is their life mission to destroy everything that I've built. Uh, I, I found out the name of it today. There's actually a website. The name of their church is Bethel. There's a website called BethelExposed.com, and their whole sp- purpose is ripping apart the ministry of Bethel. And he says, so there are different people even have, that have built websites, and their sole purpose is to disqualify everything that I'm done. <laughs> and then he goes on to speak about these guys with such honor. 
He said, you know, I just so honor these guys and their fervor for the things of God because they are, per- they are completely convinced that what I'm doing is not the right thing, and I admire their courage and what they're going after. And I'm like, no. I do not admire their courage. <laughs> and, then, and then he goes on to say how one of the, one of the gentlemen who's made it his life's mission to destroy um, the work of Bethel Church and Bill Johnson. He says he's dealing with cancer. So every day of my life, I pray that God would heal him of cancer every single day. This is how he takes communion every single day. Why? Because can I just say this? That is irrational. That is completely irrational. That does not make sense. This guy's life mission is to tear you apart. Why would someone do that? Because the Bible says in Luke chapter 6, verse 27, but I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you and pray for those who abuse you. You know what I think about that sometimes? Mm Mm-mm. Ain't going to do it. <laughs> Anybody else? Anybody else? Let's be honest in church today. A little less lying, a little more truth. That's irrational. When someone cuts you off, bless you. <laughs> when someone tells you that maybe you accidentally cut them off and they say, you're number one in my book. I'm going to pray for you. No, that's not rational. That's completely irrational. Can we just acknowledge that sometimes the Bible asks us to do things that are irrational? They will not make sense. And in our mind, our mind, not the mind of Christ, but in our mind, the the Bible says his ways are higher than our ways, his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. That means in some of our low thoughts, that does not make sense. And so even in, you can even, you can get spiritual sometimes in rationalizing certain things. I, I could put myself in, in, in Abram's position and say, you know what, uh, Lord, I know you told me to leave everyone, but Lot really needs a father, and I'm, I'm going to be the father that he never had. Well, now that sounds spiritual, Right? That sounds good. Every son, need, every orphan needs a father. Am I right? We're, we're part of an organization called Fathers in the Field where we're trying to get some, some, some young men that don't have fathers in their life, some, some, some fathers in their life. So I'm, that's, that's a good thing. That's a, that, that can be a good thing unless the Lord doesn't tell you to do it or unless the Lord tells you to do the opposite of that. Jesus was challenged at times with things where he he was asked to to follow rational thinking in the area of his family. There was a time when Jesus had offended some some members of his family, but they came to talk to him, and they were knocking on the door, and he wouldn't answer the door. Now, rational thinking says, when your mama knocks on the door, you better open that door, boy. And they go, hey, Jesus, they're knocking. And it's, it's your family. You, you, you have to respond to your family, even if they're offended, even if they're ticked off. You, you have to respond to family because, after all, it is your family. So what was Jesus' irrational response? Who is my mother? 
Who is my brother? Those who do the will of my father. What was he doing? He was challenging rational connections in our life. The Lord may at times, and again, this is not an anti-family message. The, the, the Bible talks about that the church is a family. It believes in family. In fact, to be qualified to be a leader in the church, you have to be good at doing family according to Scripture. So this is not anti-family. This is pro-irrational faith at times. There may be times where there are connections or things in your life that are holding you back and you don't realize it, you don't see it, and to do anything other than what you're currently doing would be irrational, and that will be the very thing that God asks you to do. I remember um, years ago, I, uh, it was Christmas time. I lived in Amarillo, and it was Christmas time, and it was time to make the little Christmas run. We would, we would always go to come down from Amarillo and stop in, in post where I was born and raised usually around December 23rd, 24th, we'd do Christmas with the family there. And then my parents lived here, so after that we'd swing on down, do Christmas in Midland, uh, and and after about a week, uh, go back to Amarillo. And it came time to to go, and we we had, for some reason, we'd gone over to our pastor's house, and uh, our pastor's wife, which she had never done before, she goes, you know, I I just think you guys ought to stay here. And I was like, what do you mean stay here? She goes, I just... I don't think you guys ought to go. I don't think you guys ought to go down there for Christmas this year. I just, I just feel like you guys just need to stay here. Stay here. Y'all can have Christmas with us. And I, I just, I feel like you guys are. You just need to stay here. Well, can I just say this? When you don't live where your family lives, it's very irrational not to come home for Christmas. And it was so irrational. I can tell you, I didn't even give what she said a second thought. I was like, oh, Pastor Missy, that's just because you like us and you want us to be around and you like our girls. And, you. And, and I gave all rational thinking to an irrational thought. So we go on, we leave, we go down to the 23rd, go to do Christmas with my, with my grandmother and our family. And uh, on, the, on Christmas Eve, which happened to, be, happened to be my birthday, we were driving on my birthday. Uh, I was with my brother, having a great time. We're driving to Midland. Uh, we had decided that we were going to give the ladies a break, so we put all the kids in our car, and me and my brother, we drove with the kids and let the ladies drive in peace and quiet. That was back when we had one of these, it just dawned on me, we're fixing to have another one of these, and uh, they scream and cry and poop and all that cool stuff. So anyway, <laughs> so we're, we're driving down the road, and uh, <laughs> all of a sudden, I just feel that little, ooh, my stomach got a little weird, kind of a weird feeling, you know, and I... I got that sick feeling in the back of my throat, and I was like, man, hey, you need to pull over. I, I'm not feeling too good. So he pulls over real quick, and I throw up on the side of the road, and I know it's gross, but it is what it is. And uh, I was like, oh, man, that was weird. And I felt fine after that. Got back in the truck, started driving again, hit again, hit stronger. This time, we didn't, didn't even make it till the truck stopped. And next thing you know, let me just spare you some of the details, it got ugly. And, and finally, we had all the kids with us, so I just started, I walked away from the truck to stay away from all the kids, and we called the, the lady and said, hey, come pick up Braden on the side of the road, you know, he's fixing to die. And, <laughs> and so, uh, I, I, Le- Leanne came by, my brother's wife dropped in the truck with all the kids, they took everybody, it was just me and Leanne, and we drove, we were in, ended up in La Mesa, and I was like, hey, get to a convenience store so I can just go in the bathroom, I'm, I'm, I'm not doing good at all. And so I, I barely made it into the bathroom, and thank God I had my cell phone, because I got to the bathroom and passed out unconscious 
in very bad shape in the bathroom. I came to, I don't know how soon after that I came to, and I flipped open the phone. I called Leanne. I said, call 911 and went back unconscious again. And the next thing you know, EMS is picking me up in the middle of a bathroom in a very ugly scene in this bathroom that I had. And uh, I'm being rushed to the I'm being rushed to the emergency room, unconscious, dehydrated, and my body's convulsing. And uh, so they, we get there. Uh, they, they, they had to sedate me because my whole body just was convulsing and different things like that. And um, I, they, they did all these tests, tried all this stuff, and all, the doctor said, look, I don't, know, I don't know what to tell you other than you either got salmonella poisoning uh, or some other acute onset virus that we can't identify. They just had to keep my body numb that night in the hospital until they'd released me early in the morning uh, so that I would stop convulsing. And then I came to and uh, kind of got my wits about me. They said, hey, it's, you're done. I think it's all out. Whatever it was, it's gone. They released us. We drive home. And it took me some time before I connected all the dots. And I was like, man, that's a terrible way to spend your birthday and Christmas. And all of a sudden, the thought crossed my mind. And, and the words of my pastor's wife saying, I don't think y'all should go to Christmas this year. And all of a sudden... I didn't think I should have gone to Christmas <laughs> that year. Now, let me, let, me, let me clear something up. What happened to me was not punishment for not following wise counsel. It was a consequence of not allowing divine protection to keep me from it. Because when irrational thinking was introduced, and God introduced something irrational, God did not have permission in my life to be irrational. Therefore, there were consequences. Now, consequences that our gracious, loving, heavenly Father saw coming and said, you, you don't need to go over there. I don't want you to go through this. And so in, in, order, in order not to go through this, you have to do something irrational. If you're honest with yourself, every single person in this room would say, you have gone through something, and on the backside of going through something, you're like, you know what? I knew I shouldn't have done that. I knew I shouldn't have done that. Or here's, here's my favorite one. Well, I knew I shouldn't have bought that. Here's one for your marriage. I knew I shouldn't have said that. I knew I shouldn't have brought that up. What, 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 in, in, in a sense, what are we saying? Something told me not to do something. But I rationalized and did it anyway. Sometimes to enjoy what God wants us to enjoy and has called us to enjoy or not go through things that he doesn't want us to go through, we will have to do some things that are irrational. Amen? Where are we at here? Let me just say this because this is one that I felt like I was supposed to address. Um, you have to, this is a bit of a sidebar. Uh, this has to do with my pastor's wife giving me this, this, this word here. Uh, you have to understand that God speaks to us in a couple of different ways. He speaks to us through his written word, which is the Bible. But he also speaks to us through the spoken word, which can be an unction from the Holy Spirit on the inside of us, or it can be the mouth of another human being on the planet being used by God to bring wisdom into our life. We're supposed to submit to all of those equally. All of those equally. If it is the Word of God, would you agree? If it is the Word of God, it should be submitted to. 
If it is the word of God, it should be followed. If it is the word of God, it is good for my life, right? The Bible says his words are life to those that hear it. So if it's his words, it is intended to bring life. So if it's the written word of God, and I'll just say this, the written word of God, the Bible, although we still don't do it sometimes, we can at least acknowledge, I should do that. I, sh- I should do that. It gets a little more complicated when it comes to the voice of the Holy Spirit, and it's like, I feel this nudge, but it could be me, it could be, but let's, can, can we just acknowledge that it's pretty safe to say, if we have identified this is the Holy Spirit, maybe it was an unction on the inside reminding you of a scripture, so now you know it's good, that must be the Holy Spirit, because the devil's not going to remind you of a scripture, right? So, okay, well, now I've identified that it's the Holy Spirit, I'm going to do that. That's pretty easy one, right? Follow the scripture, pretty easy. For most people, although we still, all of us, sometimes don't do it. Follow the leading and the unction of the Holy Spirit, fairly easy. You know what's really hard? Following somebody else. Well, they can't tell me what to do. Here's here's one of my favorites. I I ain't going to submit to no human. I'm not going to submit to a person. I I don't have to listen if, it, if God tells me, I'll do it. But I'm not going to listen to a person. I don't have to submit my life to a person. Can I just ask you, where is that scripture? Because I've got a couple. Here, you figured I had some, didn't you? Where are they at? 1 Peter 5.5 5 says this. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourself to elders. All the elders said, heck yeah. Uh-oh. Yes, all of you. Uh-oh. Be submissive to one another, and in doing so, be clothed with humility. Why? Because God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. Humble people submit themselves to other people. Proud people won't. God resists proud people. He gives grace to humble people. Which side would you like to be on? Would you like the creator of the heavens and the earth resisting you? Or would you like the creator of the heavens and the earth giving you grace in every area of your life? Is that simple? Is that simple? It's scripture. Second Chronicles 20, 20 says this, believe in the Lord your God and you'll be established. Believe his prophets. What is a prophet? Someone who speaks what God tells them to speak. Believe his prophets. And what happens? You shall prosper. Well, I'll just tell you right now. I, 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 was, I, I had a pastor in my life, right? A mentor in my life, right? A spiritual leader in my life. I had people in my life before, and they led me astray. Can we just all acknowledge we all eventually will lead someone astray in our zeal and fervor? Just... It's already happened once at this church. I had to come up here and say, hey, you remember that message I preached? It wasn't a good one. Don't listen to it. You might remember that one. I just, in my fervor, in my zeal, I thought I was on to something. It really wasn't. (laughs) So what do you do? You clean up your mess. You clean up your mess. Guess what? There have been churches that have hurt people. There have been pastors that have abused finances. There have been pastors that have abused a lot more using their power as spiritual leaders. 
Does that mean we should all quit going to church because of one bad apple? Nope. Just because some people miss the mark, and at times you will miss the mark, does it, it, does it exclude us from this scripture? Because can I just say this? I would rather have the results of grace than the results of accuracy. He said when you submit yourself to the people around you and you submit yourself to the body of Christ, you get grace. He doesn't say they're going to get it right every time. He said, but even if they get it wrong, you get grace. What is grace? You're going to get something that you didn't deserve. In other words, what you did didn't deserve it. But the humility that caused you to submit to the person gets you grace. Now you get more of it. That's a tough one. Living submitted to people in our lives. Ask yourself the question, am I equally submitted to the Word of God no matter how it shows up? Am I like, well, if it says it in Scripture. Okay, good. It's a good start. What about the unction of the Holy Spirit? What about, the, have you submitted your life to everything that the Holy Spirit has to offer? Did you know that the Holy Spirit comes with some gifts that he needs you to start walking in to help those around you? I'm sorry, that, that, that tongue stuff, brother, that's just too much for me. Well, it's in Scripture. You're going to have to deal with it eventually. Or you're not, and you just won't, you'll just have a little bitty two-inch line of faith between you and heaven. Hope you enjoy that. That sounded more smart aleck than I meant for it to sound. <laughs> rational thinking. Let's get back on track here. Rational thinking. Rational thinking sometimes will cause us to partially obey God. But partial obedience is still disobedience. Abraham was told to do three things. He did two. What happened? And I don't have time to go all deep into this, but let me just tell you what happened. Genesis chapter 12, you see that Lot, and Lot became wealthy because he's with Abraham now. He's on this journey. Abraham becomes wealthy. Lot becomes wealthy as well. And all of a sudden, their staff begins to fight with one another because there's not enough room for all of Abraham's goats and sheep and livestock and all of Lot's goats and sheep and livestock. I, and all of a sudden, there's this big fight. There's this big quarrel because there's not enough room for all of their animals. And Abram finally says, Lot, you know what? You, you need to go that direction. <laughs> you need to get on out of here. That we're family, we should not be fighting. I propose to you that Abraham, he forfeited a season of greater blessing and greater favor with God because Lot, someone who shouldn't have been there in the first place, was taking up space that he shouldn't have been taking. Could maybe at a minimum, could maybe a Lot grown or, or Abram's uh, flocks and, and 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 sheep and goats and all that could it have gone more if Lot wasn't taking up that space? Probably. That's why they were fighting. That's why their staff was fighting. When you partially obey, which is the same as when you disobey, you forfeit God's blessing in your life. Go to the next chapter. Genesis chapter, what is it, 13? Yeah, thir no, it's, that one's in 13. This one's in 14. Genesis chapter 14. God, Lot goes on his way, finds himself in a bit of mess. He finds himself in a war. Some king named Kedorlamar or something like that captures him. One of Lot's servants uh, escapes and comes back to Abram and says, Hey, man, you know how you sent Lot over there? Yeah, he got, he got captured now. He's in some trouble. So now Abram has to go to a place that Lot shouldn't have been in the first place, but he's only there because Abraham brought him there in the first place. And he has to go fight this fight that was not his fight to fight. Why? Because he disobeyed. Because he partially obeyed. Because of his rational thinking. 
So all of a sudden, Abram finds himself not enjoying all that God has for him, not enjoying all the blessing and favor that God had for him, and having to deal with unnecessary headaches that he shouldn't have been dealing with in the first place. Why? Disobedience. Partial obedience that came from his own rational thinking and leaning into his own understanding instead of trusting God completely. And then we arrived at my favorite part of all of this. We just, we pretty much just ripped Abram apart a little bit. Can we just acknowledge that? Like, you didn't do this. <laughs> and then you, uh, we read this last week. We talked about this last week. But I want you to listen to this in Hebrews chapter 11. This is how the new covenant remembers Abram. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8. And by faith, and, and, and he goes back in the first part of that Hebrews chapter 11 and says, all of these people, gained a good report. In other words, they got an A-plus on their report card because of their faith. And here's what it says of Abraham. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. It didn't say nothing about taking Lot with him. In other words, the new covenant did not remember the areas that Abraham missed it. It just celebrated the areas that Abraham got it right. Because grace celebrates our faith and erases our mistakes. I absolutely, I told Leanna, I said, and you go back and read, go back to Abram's wife, Sarah, and all, it says, talk about Sarah and all of her faith. Sarah's faith laughed when the angel said, you're going to have a baby. She literally laughed at an angel. I don't think you're supposed to do that. She laughed at an angel. You know what else she did? When she's still struggling, she said, you know what? Maybe you're supposed to sleep with this other woman that's not your wife, and that's how we're going to get our son. That does not sound like unwavering faith to me. Yeah, go read the scripture. It says she, it says she never stopped believing in the power to give her a son. Can I just acknowledge that it's a lot, it's, it's, it's very, it's a lot easier to follow a God. It's a, it's a lot easier to take irrational steps of faith when you understand his character and his nature in the new covenant and say, that says, I will celebrate your faith and I will erase your mistakes. Grace doesn't make me want to not take leaps of faith. The grace of God says, you know what? I'm going to go after it because even if I mess up, he's going to erase it. Grace empowers more faith. There's, 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 there's haters out there about the message of grace. Man, you keep telling people all about the grace of God, they'll just... They'll just live however they want to live. No, they won't. They'll realize they can actually live the way he's called them to live and not be afraid of making a mistake because he celebrates the areas we get it right and he erases. And, and I told him this last night, I said, it's so crazy. It's almost like he literally forgot what Abraham and Sarah did in the Old Testament. And as soon as I said those words out loud, the Holy Spirit says, did he not say, I'll cast your sin as far as the east is from the west and I will remember it no more. He proved it in Scripture when he didn't even record their mistakes. And can I just say this? He's not recording yours. He's not recording yours. And knowing that should give you all the courage you need to do some irrational things and take leaps of faith in areas that you've never taken leaps of faith before and leave something that may already be good and go after something that really could be God. Amen. 
We hope you've enjoyed our podcast today. You can find out more about our ministry at RenewLifeChurch.com or on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Also, our app is available for download so that you can stay up to date. Again, we are so glad you joined us. If you're in the Midland-Odessa area, we invite you to come be our guest at one of our services. Have a great day, and we hope to see you soon.